and uh, it's almost like a setback if I go too hard. It, it sounds weird, but that's what this injury showed me, is like if I push myself the way that I would push myself as a Division One college athlete, that is the worst thing for me to do now because it puts me on my ass for like three days and then I'm you know, just starting to be able to like be a human again. And um, that's been the weirdest thing for me is changing that mentality of like, go hard or go home. This is Bella Picard, former Division One softball player and adaptive athlete. And you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports, health, and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. Today I'm excited to bring you former St. Joe's softball player, Bella Picard. Uh, she's a Christ follower, dog lover, nutrition and strength guru, and in the process of overcoming a, a spinal cord injury suffered while sliding headfirst into uh, second base against Fordham University back in 2015. Um, so Bella, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. And uh, can you just start off by kind of taking us through that play of uh, what, what led to the injury? Yeah, for sure. Uh, good to be here, though. Yeah, basically, uh, from from what I was told uh, by my teammates and coaches and the parents who witnessed the actual collision because I was knocked out, uh, it was a hit-and-run play, and uh, I was on first base. I do know that my last hit was a single, <laughs> which is, you know, take a little pride in that. But, uh, yeah, it was a hit-and-run play, and apparently the uh, batter swung through it. She, uh, she missed and kind of, like, just naturally, like when that happens, it throws the play off a little bit. But uh, I heard it was a really outside pitch. She couldn't get a bat on it. The catcher threw down uh, as I was going to second. And uh, the throw was, like took the shortstop into the base path. And uh, as soon as I went to go uh, slide in, I collided with the shortstop's knee. And I was out like a light. So that's that's the story I've heard, though. Okay, and for baseball and softball players out there, the hit and run—that's you know the batter. It's their job to like basically swing right. no matter what. Like you got to right. protect uh, the base runner. So right. you're saying like it was maybe a pitch out and the, yeah, the batter yeah, couldn't. Yeah, yeah. I heard. Yeah, and there's been some, um, like yeah, like after just like talking to people and stuff, you know, teammates, and it was like an outside pitch. Uh, the batter who was up, Nicole Blasey, she still. I mean, I love her. Uh, to this day she's a she's an amazing person actually she's going to school i think for like some med field or i think ot she um was one of the best hitters in the league so yeah it was probably an outside pitch to throw her off all right i know you were uh quite the the batter yourself in i, yeah, I read somewhere in, in uh your junior year you bat like 900 yeah dude i don't even know what that was how the hell is that even possible <laughs> i don't know i just remember one of my coaches saying you couldn't even do that off of a tee no, yeah, I don't know. I, the the softball looked like a uh, beach ball indeed that year. Wow, that's I mean you yeah, were in right? the freaking zone the whole time. <laughs> I know, it's nuts actually if you think about it. <laughs> did you get pissed when you when you did get out those like the oh, two times yeah. that you didn't? I, dude, you I'm like if you want to get into it. <laughs> like I still remember <laughs> the smell that day. I popped a foul ball up to the third baseman. It was like like in one of the playoff games too. So like, oh, I was so pissed. 
<laughs> but yeah. And then you're like taking like a hundred swings after after the yeah. game to like fix your swing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing though. I was not like that. That's for sure. I just you could have handed me like a log and I would have been like, okay. Like I just I just loved I just loved participating in the rules of that game. You know, it's a fun yeah fun game. Really cool. Uh, so I guess back to your injury. Like, what were your initial thoughts, feelings, and emotions? Um, after your, after your injury? I just, first thing I remember is I had like a ton of dirt in my mouth <laughs> and I just remember being like, what just happened? Like the only thing I kept thinking of like, okay, I know I'm at a game, like, like, oh, oh yeah, well, I'm at Fordham. And then like, to this day, I often look back and like, I just remember the first thing I could remember on the ground was I took a ball like at my at bat like right before it happened like I took a ball that I really like wish I hit like <laughs> like oh. I just but like that's like all I could remember and um I just remember uh someone saying Bella like can you like squeeze my hand and it was my left hand and I forget if I I squeezed it at some point but it it, it was I just remember being like scared like I knew something just just happened something wasn't right yeah yeah I had a similar uh, feeling leading up to my my in my head injury oh, actually yeah, too. Yeah. So, oh yeah, um, you get that. So, what was like the prognosis uh, from the doctors? You know, when you got to the hospital and everything, and you know what you was know, kind of it's funny, their expectations. I, I remember this meeting. Oh, every time I'm asked this question, just this one meeting um, when I was living in, you know, the inpatient uh, rehab hospital in Charlestown. Uh, Spalding, it's an absolute amazing facility. Uh, when I was living there, it was like kind of approaching my uh, release date, and um, they held the meetings like an exit meeting, like for the parents, you know. And I just remember the doctor being like, you know, she has youth on her side, she's strong as a bull, you know, despite the like 12 or 15 pounds I'd already lost, like since my accident. Um, he was like, uh, you know, we hope to see her up and walking in about, you know, a couple years, maybe like we're hopeful, but as for softball, like they, they, he, I just remember Dr. Stone, he was like, I, you know, let's just like focus on like walking and, and I just remember being like, what? Like it just, yeah, it was weird, but prognosis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I, I started walking like eight months after my accident, like, uh, you know, so that felt good, like, you know, in that, in that sense, but yeah. So you were like way ahead of schedule with that? Yeah, yeah, um, you know, but you know, the doctors, they have to, they have to, you know, say worst case scenario, they really do, um, but so I kind of, yeah. I, yeah, I took it with a grain of salt, and you know, that's kind of how I've always been, you know, as an athlete, if, you know, anything happens, like, whether it's to me or my teammate, like, I'm like, nah, man, like, you'll be, you're good, you're good, like, you know, so yeah, you got that fight in you. It's obvious yeah. just from like you know doing yeah. my my background uh, yeah. research on you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's tough when a doctor tells you that they basically kind of rip rip the sport that you love away away from yeah, you. And I've been in that same boat. It's yeah. it's, it's tough for any athlete. Yeah, um, definitely hard to describe. <laughs> so, what kind of surgeries did you have to undergo um, to kind of set you down the path of recovery? Well. I had a, so I had the um, spinal fusion. They had to stabilize my neck. So they fused me C4 to C6 um, with a titanium cage. It looked like a cheese grater. Um, 
uh, and then a few months into my recovery, like, you know, the more function I got back, I was, you know, moving more. And uh, I started noticing, actually, it was in a neuro checkup appointment uh, for my fusion where the doctor, you know, was just looking at, you know, my function and, uh, you know, um, seeing if I could feel the needle and all that stuff. And he was like, wait, like, your feet are black and I'm like I know right like that's crazy and she's like no your feet are black and like literally sent me to the ER so basically they found out that my blood just like wasn't coming back up my legs like it was just like chilling and pooling down on my feet um so yeah I had three surgeries after I like had just learned to walk which was wicked inconvenient but um yeah they did both my legs they just decompressed some nerves hoping to also uh, open up a little bit more room for circulation and then they did uh, my feet too but they had to do them separately since I was at such a high risk of blood clot but yeah got all those bad boys and uh, haven't had surgery since <laughs> knock on wood yeah knock on wood I'll knock on wood for you too over here. <laughs> yeah um, so how did it feel to kind of you know, you know at this point you were starting to walk right yeah yeah oh man so, feel oh. yeah it, How did it feel to, to, you know, get back to walking and really being ahead of the curve on, oh, you know, from what the doctor said and then having to take, you know, a step back and yeah. try to, you know, go from there? It was, I mean, I can't even, if I had one word, it was just like, okay. Like, like, honestly, like, like, of course, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. But like baseline of me walking, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm doing it. Like, hell yeah. Like, but okay. Like, it didn't it like still till this day it doesn't feel right like I constantly like have to flex like my core sometimes like like if, if I'm le leaning way too much over to the left you know if like my right side gets tired or so like that's how you know and then when I had to get those surgeries I remember being like this better not screw anything up <laughs> right. I just remember being like yo what I have gained back this better not you know because keep in mind like you know the whole like time I have doctors and just therapists and you know the first year of a spinal cord injury you only you know the first year you whatever you gain back you you most likely to keep like forever so like that was also like always in the back of my head because like I'm a wicked like hardo when it comes to you know that to me that was like a challenge I was like really like <laughs> you know and I just wanted so I was with these surgeries I'm like no like those are you know x amount of months I won't have towards that first year you know so I ended up making it work out because I spent so much time on my upper body during those surgeries and it ended up being a blessing in disguise I think Be, why was it a blessing in disguise because you were able to focus on your upper body strength yeah or? like and in, in like you know because you think about it, it's like you know if something happens you know to your you know say you literally like break a finger it's like oh that's annoying you know but it's like what if you, you know, break a toe and you're in a boot? It's like, especially if it's your right foot that you have to use for driving. Like, it's like a whole different ball game when it comes to, you know, walking, I feel. So, like, I feel like I was just in the beginning, especially, like, almost like in denial phase still, too. Like, I got to walk. It's like, that's the only thing that matters. And meanwhile, my right hand was, like, starting to claw. Basically, uh, like, I had a lot of toning. I still do, actually. I have trouble opening my pinky and ring finger in my right hand uh but I was like starting to like really claw because I wasn't you know paying that much attention I guess to to that um you know I had right. like a splint I had to wear like at night so that 
I didn't wake up like fully like flawed in uh you know like I I would wear that and like you know just like not half-assed it but I know I looking back at it I like was not spending nearly enough time uh you know on, like on that yeah yeah so like when I had the surgeries I was like I had no other choice I was in my chair you know for a while and uh yeah so I was just like all right let's get this hand going yeah I think that's a good example that comes up a lot on the podcast it's like you know when you have a setback or whatever might happen there's always something that you could be doing to get better and you <laughs> yeah, obviously exactly. took full advantage of that with your upper body and it like you said it, it worked out and you don't yeah. know what it could have been what could exactly. have happened um if it didn't happen so yeah all right so what was what does like the evolution of your rehab look like from you know the early stages when you were you know trying oh, to yeah. fix your hand and um you know learn how to walk again and like, what does it look like today? Uh, wow, that's a cool question because, like, I look back at like the early stages, you know, of my rehab, and you know, I called it the the robot machine. It was it's something called locomotive training, and it's literally, dude, it's like a robot, and like, you just like slip into it. <laughs> like the therapist set you up. There's like a harness, and it literally just moves your body into like the perfect walking form. Um like you don't like move at all like I did it when like my right side was totally like not moving and like it was just amazing I'll never forget that so like that's all I knew in the beginning and then you know once I started getting stronger um you know we did a lot of parallel bar stuff you know obviously with my AFO which I have till this day um then we moved on to the locomotive training uh but with ther two therapists at each of my feet um, which was cool. It was more like realistic and um, just the feeling of like hitting the bottom of my feet on that treadmill. Like, man, like it was like, it just felt so like what I remembered. Um, and it's weird because like I've like, I especially then, like I had very little feeling in my feet, but I just like, like, whoa, I feel it shake my quad, you know, like it's crazy. But uh, right. yeah, it's like once... everything's like enhanced when it starts yeah, coming back dude, on. Right? It was like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and just something that like you can't help but think about like every night. Like it's like that good play you made in the game, you know? Like it's like wow, that must have looked sick. And like I just remember always like, wow, like I don't know, I was walking like, and I just like very visual. But uh, yeah. And then as you know, I kept progressing. Uh, did a lot of uh walking on treadmills with you know like ten, twenty percent of my weight um taken off, you know. So I could work on like actually like not falling on my face, <laughs> like just have some like, you know, relief. Um, yeah. And like just a lot of like my therapists really incorporate obviously sports into my therapy, um, which can get hysterical. I've gotten like fights with my therapist, <laughs> like over games that we play. I'm like, you cheated. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like it gets, you know, more uh, like, you know, the more uh, like impulsive balance I've been getting back. Uh, like reactive balance um you know like throwing uh just like madison balls at a trampoline and like trying not to fall like that's like where we're at now i guess a lot of um kind of learning just like adaptive exercises um which is cool because it's like whoa we can do any exercise it just has to look a little weird <laughs> so yeah that's where i'm at now yeah i think that's important for all athletes to to learn and I, yeah. i've had a hard time kind of 
it's hard to like accept as an athlete, yep. you know, like when yeah, you could do it at one point in time, but then you get hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like that same exercise, like mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the best one for you anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. So how have you kind of dealt with that? Like any of those feelings that maybe pop up? Um, honestly, when people say mind over matter, like <laughs> that's a real thing. Um, because I just had to learn and till this day I have to work on it. Like not comparing life to like how it, I used to smell it, how I used to see it, how I used to hear it, how I used to feel it. Like I, you know, 19 years of experiencing life, especially as an all American athlete, like, you know, I had, I have to just put that behind, like behind and like, you know, it's hard, but it's like, no, you're here now. And what, you know, what do you want to see yourself do that you can't do right now? Like, and like that really incorporates into the exercises because it's like, oh yeah, like take that feeling, you know, you remember about, you know, doing uh, deadlifts, say, right? And now I get the same workout sitting on a stool with, with wheels, like in a doctor's office, you know, like, and just going around the room, pulling myself, like with my heels. Dude, I get like, as much as a deadlift, like just like the, oh, my hamstring, my lower back, like I'm like, oh my gosh, it feels like I just maxed out. But like yeah. stuff like that, um, like any exercise, and that's also where I'm at now is just learning how to do those safely. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah, it's not as easy as uh, you think it is. So how has your softball background helped you in your recovery? Oh, man. Failure, failure, failure. Um, I don't know how much you're failing if you're batting 900. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't guess I wasn't learning a lot that year. I don't but, feel uh, that bad for you. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? No, but like that's the funny thing. It's like, like, especially in college and you know playing D one, where like you know you're not the best anymore. Um, you fail a lot, like, and that's a foreign thing for, you know, a lot of college athletes because the only reason why they've made it that far is because they were the best always. So it's like that to me was something. Um, very rare like having someone like actually intimidate me with their athletic performance um and uh like striking out a lot and being like what the heck like (laughs) I don't strike out like I had to learn how to not let those failures like piss me off like uh I had to learn to like just accept them and let them you know like humble me like I think that's what a lot of good athletes learn how to do is let their failures kind of like humble them and uh you know you know make them like just chill for a sec and le- actually learn about yourself like on what needs to be better like um I had to like relearn how to play softball in in college because it was like a different game and where I was weak every pitcher was strong and you know and fielding wise I was usually pretty good I just had to get used to like the velocity <laughs> of the ball coming at me <laughs> like it's a lot faster in, in high school. It could, like, take your head off, I think. Um, so that was an adjustment. But it's in this recovery, it's like, man, I fail every freaking day now. Like, that's no exaggeration. Whether it's, like, I drop an egg, <laughs> like, while trying to hand it to my mom or, like, you know, like, I can't get that last rep in therapy. It's, um, I just, like, I fail and I'm just like, okay, you failed. That's all right. Let it, let it feel you. Like, let it help you get better next time. And, you know, don't feel right, sorry th- about it because that's literally what losers do. They feel sorry for themselves. So 
Yeah, I learned. Yeah, that's a I think baseball and softball are yeah, like in particular, obviously, like there's a lot of failing going on because, you know, you make it to the Hall of Fame. Like everyone always says batting 300 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. Unfortunately, like, yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't the type that. of. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't the type of player who uh, took failure very well when I played baseball. Oh, really? I was like a, such a mental case. Ugh. Like if I got a hit. <laughs> My first at bat, I was three for three or three for four. Mm -hmm. But if I, you know, grounded out or struck mm -hmm. out, like I would be zero for four the rest of the Isn't game. It? Yeah, it's a mental game, dude. That's why, like, you know, like, you know, like girls are like, like, you know, not that this is prejudice or anything, but naturally, girls and guys are so different, like in mentality, and like females are usually right about things. So, like, I think it's funny how like. You get a bunch of females to play the game of baseball. It's like, whoa, that is a sport, man. Like girls are like, <laughs> like we go hard in this game. <laughs> like, like we like, oh man, like failure. Yeah, girls, we are like, yeah. We right, and I think the key to what you said was kind of like you fail, but then you make an adjustment yes. after. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, exactly. It's That's fun, like it's like a fun game with yourself, like in getting better, like cool yeah i think it's a perfect analogy for exactly like overcoming an injury and, and and get working yourself back exactly so based off of your you know social media posts and videos and stuff like that and articles i read about you you seem to have a pretty like goofy laid-back <laughs> personality so how yeah. important is your goofy personality on, on the bad days that that come oh, about so important i mean like i must say like Right after my accident, like, I was, like, like, my goofiness was in little, little spurts. Like, very little spurts. Because, you know, obviously you're not going to be totally thrilled after an injury like this. But I've learned, like, just, you know, just in my whole recovery how truly important it is to, you know, laugh about, you know, the things that, you know, the new things that this injury has just shown me in, uh, you know, what I like live with every day, like you have to laugh at some things. Like, for instance, my right hand, like my, I like, I'm still a little clawed. My fingers are toned. Like when my mom pulls in with the groceries, I'm like, ma, throw it on the claw. Like, you know, like, <laughs> just like, you have to like have fun with it. Uh, and I do credit a lot of, you know, my goofy uh, personality and positivity in my recovery to uh, like my family and um, my siblings course my siblings especially uh my mom and dad especially my mom and my best friend jill like they have me like die and laugh and do like every day and that's so important because it rubs off on me and makes me want to be funny too and goofy and positive so yeah like life's too short to uh take yourself too seriously yeah i mean i always say why be miserable in a miserable situation like <laughs> like that is yeah. double miserable <laughs> if you do the math yeah. You've got a choice. Exactly. Uh, all right. So we kind of talked about how you've adapted some of your workout routines, um, but how have your fitness goals kind of changed? And at the same time, what stayed the same? Oh, uh, fitness goals, complete, like complete opposite um, of what they were as like an elite athlete. Um, uh, yeah, basically my fitness goals now are just like, don't faint <laughs> and like go as hard as you can, but still allow some room to be able to walk tomorrow, which like I just have gotten used to that. Like, um, you know, cause 
I'm so used to, as an athlete, we're so used to putting in the work and seeing the results. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. you see it physically, your body change, um, or if it's you feel it the next day, you know, like, oh, I'm sore. Like, oh, I put in that work. Oh, I feel stronger. Um, that has changed a lot for me, but in the same sense has been like the the foundation of like how I perceive fitness now. Um, and I would say that's because if I, you know, put in the work now, like, dude, tomorrow, like, I can't walk. <laughs> like, my, if I am sore in my hamstrings or my glutes or even my quads, I, like, I have a lot of trouble walking for, like, a few days. And uh, it's almost like a setback if I go too hard. It, it sounds weird, but that's what this injury has showed me is, like, if I push myself the way that I would push myself as a Division One college athlete, that is the worst thing for me to do now because it puts me on my ass for like three days and then I'm, you know, just starting to be able to like be a human again. And um, that's been the weirdest thing for me is changing that mentality of like, go hard or go home. Like, like I'm just like, you know, always, that's how I've always been is just go hard. Like, oh, like I can flip a soccer ball up and, you know, do a rainbow with it and kick it in the net why not do it with a grape? <laughs> like, that's like literally how I always was. And <laughs> now it's just like, no, Bella, like, you know, do your, you know, 10 to 15 push-ups and no more. That's it. So like, when you see me like doing push-ups in my Instagram videos, like those are the push-ups for the day, <laughs> like for the week, <laughs> like those, like, it's weird, dude. It's so weird, but um, definitely do a lot of more uh, different exercises now compared to, uh, when I used to exercise, it was like just main like group like pattern like you know just like the Olympic lifts and you know you want to get back you want to get legs you want you know then you do your thirty minutes of core like no like now it's like my workouts every day are total body but like little bits and pieces of each you know yeah and I think that's just a part of like getting older as an athlete mm -hmm. too like aging as an athlete because i'm 27 now yep. and i felt like from the time i hit 25 i just like i can't do what i used to mm -hmm. be able to do and like still recover and like you right. said like you, you got to be able to live like to fight another day right. so like you can't go too exactly. hard which kind of brings me into my next question yeah. you know like have you ever created you know your own setbacks from pushing too hard and it sounds like you have you know kind of on a the smaller scale of like right it affecting your ability to, to walk the next day <laughs> right um any other things like i know for myself uh with my head injury i had you know brain surgery and then like a month later i started working out but i worked out too much and oh. ended up getting like an infection in yeah. my head and stuff because i think my body just like wasn't ready for it right. yet so do you have any similar uh, experiences honestly so like physically wise like one time i like pulled my wrist out of its socket by accident because like i like tried to like tie my hand to a pull-up bar so that like I didn't have to squeak because like my wrist was still weak but like I had like the you know like other muscles to keep me pretty up and I had like a like a big stool and my sister spotting me you know so like I was safe about it but I didn't feel that my wrist wasn't <laughs> in the right place <laughs> so like I did one and I'm like um something's falling off and then I like I was done but like stuff like that, like those little setbacks. But I would say like the only like big setbacks I can think of when you ask that question, um, like 
the big setback that I've ever created was always mental and emotional frustration. Like, um, like I have to like see my goals now from where I am in this recovery, not as, you know, Bella Pickard, like the All American. You know, like that. Yeah. It, those were the biggest setbacks. I, you know, till this day, sometimes it happens, and it's a men- mental and emotional setbacks are, I would say, like more devastating than physical because at least when you have a physical setback you have you know your mind and your emotions to be able to work through it but you know like it's like when you like have just like a just mental and emotional setback it's like it just takes a lot of focus and uh, attention that you don't want to give it uh you know to hurdle it and it's like I feel like those were my biggest setbacks like you know geez I'm still not on a softball field like I haven't worn cleats in 1006 days like stuff like that like I'll be like what like but um you know I'm working on on not making those setbacks because they're wicked annoying yeah but it's natural to have those those thoughts and stuff like that so how do you kind of pick yourself back up after those um you know thoughts creep into your head honestly that's where my faith is like my faith is like just like my spark plug (laughs) like literally like I just knowing that I didn't come out of the womb knowing I'd be such a stellar athlete. Like, that's how I see it. Like, I'm like, God, like, literally, like, with this accident, I'm like, I just, I see it as, like, you know, like, he, this is a new life. So, like, why get upset about the things that, you know, I'm not doing right now or, you know, the things that are so different right now? Like, why get upset about that? I'm comparing it to the only, like, thing I ever knew like there's an infinite amount of things to know in life why so like that's where my mind goes man like whenever I get in those funks that's literally like I just took you through like literally where my mind goes like then I just start thinking of that I'm like wow infinite like literally infinite chances like Bella what are the the chances like you would break your neck in a softball game like I always say that I'm like that's like a one out of an infinite chance you know like so why be upset that you're not you know, sprinting full speed with a sled on, you know, trying to get faster when you're not even sprinting. Like, like I'm like, you got to just take a step back, girl, you'll get there. And, you know, I just believe that because God says it and, and, and I just truly believe it. And I credit that this recovery so much or else I'd still be back in my first rut, you know. Yeah, like when you say say like I always add, I'm very curious about faith. I'm always like I've always been a big huge Tim Tebow fan. Oh, and like yes, it amazes me yes. that, you know, he is so yeah. you know, empowered by yes, his his faith. Yeah. So when you say like that like that's what God says, like how do you like look for those well, signs or I love that you say that. Wow, that's cool because I think our generation especially, like just I mean, millennials and like, like up to like 40 year olds right now, like we were raised, you know, you like Catholic Catholic was the main religion and it was very forced upon us. And we never saw religion really as a relationship with the dude who created like the place we live. And like, like, I think that aspect of my faith to see God in such human, like characteristic ways like he explains in the bible that's the problem is no one even opens the bible and it's like you gotta read this shit like it is so insane like and i'm a huge nasa and science fan dude and it's amazing how you know 
you know, this isn't like a religious or political conversation at all. I, I speak from a total independent stance when I say like, it's amazing how I can have conversations with like open atheists who like are the kind of atheists who like make it known to people that they hate God, um, like about science and space exploration. And I like will give my input and knowledge about space and like my ideas on like, you know, just how it was formed without even mentioning that I'm getting, you know, these ideas and information from the Bible. The guy's like, yeah, you're right, man, like agreeing with me. And like, so it's like, yeah. I just think that people see God and they're like, want to either like punch it or they want to run from it or they want to like just throw tomatoes at it. And it's like, hey, like, don't get mad. I just see it as a reflection, you know, because that's what God talks about in the Bible. He sent, you know, Jesus down to tell us all like, oh, my gosh, I'm secretly God in here, like, but I'm too perfect to, you know, like he's too close to you so i'm in jesus's image but hey i made the earth and like some people are like no way prove it and he's like all right i'm gonna die and then i'm gonna like become like alive again and then i'm gonna walk the earth for 40 days and then i'm gonna peace out and live with god and like it actually happened and like you know then there comes the money that was lost in the catholic church because jesus was like hey you don't need to go to a church anymore your body is the temple let me show you you know, and like, so that's where like that clashing comes along. And but I just see faith as just like a wonderful historical, like just story of like the unknown. And it's like to be such a believer and no believing in the unknown. It's like, you know, how can you not be positive? Like, how can you not have hope? It's like, it's just that's what faith does for me. So, yeah, that was a great explanation. And I, I got a a good education there too as well. And I'm someone who's guilty of never of wondering, right. you know, how someone's faithful and never actually reading the Bible myself. Right. So and that's what I say to people all the time when I, you know, talk to like in Christian athlete places, I'm like, guys, I'm like, you will sit down on Twitter and read a 10 paragraph long love letter sent from, you know, some story on Twitter, but like, or you'll read about Kim Kardashian's pregnancy, but you won't, even read one word of the Bible. I'm like, I don't get it. Like that blows my mind. But yeah. yeah, it drives me, man. It drives me. All right. So you know, where does I'm interested in where this NASA uh, <laughs> interest comes comes in? Is that from your faith, or is that just like because you're just no, into science and stuff? I, it's funny because since my accident, like, like I've had a lot of time on my hands, I guess, like because I'm not using my body to distract me. Um, and I don't know, just like the stars and just like the ocean just started like really to like just amaze me. And I moved down to Florida with my brother uh, like a year after my accident. And I we ironically were living on the space coast in like it's like all things space. It's like where like a lot of the SpaceX satellites shoot from, um, you know, like Cape Canaveral. And I don't know. I just thought it was so amazing because I'm like, how did I? like you know break my neck and now I still like can't like I can't do things like I used to yet we can go to space <laughs> I'm like how does that make sense like how do we like just interests me and then I realized just like you know just like correlating stuff that I have read or known in the bible to factual scientific things I was like whoa like not that I need evidence for my faith but it's amazing how like much like little evidence of my faith like makes my faith that much stronger because I'm like oh my gosh wait like whoa and 
I just got so interested because like some of the last words I remember my neurosurgeon saying before my spinal fusion was I was like am I gonna be able to like move when I wake up like what's going on and he said uh I don't know he said Bella the spinal cord is like the ocean or like space like we'll never know everything about it but we know that like the surgery will do as much help as it can and I just remember being like huh. like I don't know. So it's just almost been just like a lingering, like inevitable interest of mine that I had, like, just, I just got so into, um, you know, during this recovery, because it's a lot of stillness and it's a lot of reading and it's a lot of, you know, uh, observing. And uh, that's something I never could do because holy ADD. So like, <laughs> so like now I'm just like chilling, like, whoa, pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. Um. So. What's your approach to goal setting been been like? We kind of talked about adjusting expectations, but where where does the goal setting kind of come in? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely definitely like just kind of stems off of that expectation thing um because you know goals are weird with this injury. <laughs> like really weird. I'm so used to setting a goal and like literally achieving the goal either a day before or like right on the dot like that's how I always was. But now it's like, I mean, I can't even set the goal of like, you know, like walking around without my AFO for five hours tomorrow around the house because like, I'm probably going to need it tomorrow. You know, like, like, it's like stuff like a, if you look at a bigger, like a goal of mine, um, I was like, especially right after my accident was like, okay, I want to be sprinting next year. I want to be sprinting next year. And it's like, I learned that with trying to do those goals that are you know, so bold, and I believe them. It's like I've learned now that like those goals are not realistic for me, aka expectations are not going to be react like reality ever. Like if I think about it like that. So what do I say now? I'm like, all right, I'm walking pretty well. You know, I was having some knee troubles because of uh, a leg brace I was wearing, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm starting to feel good from this. Like maybe I'll do unweighted jogging by you know mid March. Like that's like a typical goal I'll set now. It's like, um, you know, you know, maybe I'll start in the beginning of March and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> you know, like there I don't know, know, but yeah, it's my goal setting now. I've learned to just not set myself up to be discouraged, and that's like a lot of self self reflecting uh, practice I've learned. So. Yeah, and speaking of self reflecting practice, I kind of want to touch on. You know, have you had any like nutritional changes since your injury? And I, I know like in terms of mindfulness, like have oh, you yeah. started practicing yoga? And oh yeah, I've been meditating. That's been like the coolest thing I have like actually started practicing <laughs> since my uh, accident. Um, because you don't have to do anything <laughs> but just acknowledge every thought that comes to mind and just accept it and move on to the next thought. And it's like whoa it's like okay that's definitely cool because then it actually i just read this uh this is wicked random and talk about add but i just read this article on how these harvard researchers just have, they have evidence now that meditation uh increases gray matter in the brain and in the spinal cord obviously and basically gray matter is everything like like we need it so like I'm like thinking now I'm like wow more spinal cord injury and brain injuries and 
you know, any neuro deficit at all, like people should start meditating more because if it triggers that relaxation muscle in our brain that like never is like triggered, aka exercise or, you know, and because we're always thinking, doing a million things. So practicing meditation, they say for 30 minutes a day now, just exercising that that relaxation part of your brain that never gets paid attention to um, that it actually like your brain is like creates like more gray matter because it's like oh this is great like like you have time to you know build and people don't see right. people don't see that and I'm like I don't know I just think it's important I don't know <laughs> well I'm sure my brain could use some more gray matter yeah dude uh, that's what, what I'm saying that's what I'm <laughs> so. saying you should really look into that because your brain needs it like extra yeah so do you like use a guided meditation or you kind of just like wing it and do it on your own i like that you asked that because i feel like people like don't like ask like more about this and uh because it's like i don't know if they're like embarrassed or whatever but it's like when i first started um i i did i listened to like some guided ones and they were pretty good i would fall asleep during most of them i'm like is this meditating but um, <laughs> I mean, great dreams, I guess. But like, uh, I and then I realized I because I read some like article, and it was like there's no certain way to meditate. Like, met your meditation could just be like just in the middle of your room with a candle, playing some music, like some classical music, just painting stuff. <laughs> like, like just like that could be it. And I was like oh, that's what I've been doing all along. So I can just stick with that. <laughs> so like, that's like, kind of like, yeah, you find your own way that you know, you're totally exercising the relaxation part of your brain. Right. And and some people might think that, well, you know, uh, going to the gym might do that. I'm like, ah, I don't no, know about that. No, Crushing weights probably isn't meditating. It's but... the stillness that, that totally makes it meditation. So you can be still in any way you want, but it has to like, yeah, I know, because I used to be like that. I'm, I'd be like, the gym is my sanctuary. But like now I'm like, hell no, give me my bed. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that's too good. Um, so what about the nutrition? Have you switched up the nutrition oh, yeah. at all? So yeah, definitely. I don't eat near, actually, like I barely eat meat anymore. And uh, the compassion side of it definitely is a factor. I've just learned about myself. Um uh just like even as i've just matured and it doesn't like make me feel good and also my throat's a little weird from my surgery my spinal fusion so like dry meat does not go down well like i'm like hack like oof hacking like <laughs> so i don't eat a lot of meat anymore i eat a lot of uh drink a lot of smoothies for sure um i don't know i just like don't like to chew things anymore <laughs> it's kind of weird that i just realized but because uh, I like soup too, like I like make a lot of bomb soups, like like just spinach and like egg and just like a little like um, meat-free chicken broth cube. Like it tastes so good, and uh, just like I eat little meals now, whereas like I used to eat everything I ate was just in a massive amount. Like uh, eating for gains. Yeah, but that's the thing is like what I realize is like work like horse, eat like horse, like because. I like barely have an appetite anymore. Like you would swear I'm like someone's 85 year old grandmother. Like I'm literally always like, I'll just have a quarter of that potato. Like 
I just like <laughs> never hungry, but I have to remember that like my physics, like my physical body is so used to like always being to the point of like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like I need water. Um, uh, and now it's just like, if I do that, like I'll literally like pass out. <laughs> so like I have to, I just have a different craving now. It's usually just smoothies and spinach and like Cheerios. <laughs> No, I think that's that's normal, and I mean, yeah. I, I was big into CrossFit and stuff for a long time, and then I ended up hurting my knee, uh, and I like don't I don't really work out like I used to, right. but my appetite has like adjusted accordingly. It's not like I still yeah. eat what I used to. Exactly. Um, exactly. I definitely can resonate with, with yeah, that. Yeah, it's definitely been weird, and I just I take definitely some vitamins uh, now, like specifically that. You know, I, I used to take still and I still take and there's some that I don't take anymore just because like I don't need it as much. So like, yeah, from all aspects that that has changed a lot. All right, cool. So I know you talked to my man, Eric Legrand, oh, who I Eric. was with that. I was actually on the field when he got hurt because oh. uh, I worked for the football team oh, at Rutgers. Um, so what kind of conversation did you have with him? And did he offer any advice to you? Oh, yeah, no. Uh Eric's become one of my really good, good friends. Um, just since I've met him, it's funny. I actually, it's cra- it's just so crazy how life works, dude. Because like I was actually already following him before my accident, and I didn't even realize that until after my accident. Um, you know, I think like Instagram just had like you know pop up like more things that were relevant to my life, and like Eric started popping up a lot more, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I remember him and. I reached out to him and uh, he responded and was like, yeah, you know, I think he heard about my story or something. And we exchanged numbers. And ever since, like, we text, you know, actually, we text pretty frequently. Um, I almost went to one of his events this past summer, but I couldn't couldn't get there. Um, He basically just told me, like, especially when we talk, like, it goes from, like, wicked goofy to, like, like, it gets real, like, real fast, like, uh, and. He always says, you know, someone has it worse. Like, and that is something that, like, I truly, like, think about a lot, um, you know, in the mental and emotional frustration that I was telling you about, like, my own setbacks that I'll make. Um, I, I always just keep, like, just, I just can hear Eric saying it, like, like, you know, somebody's got it worse, like, you know, just push, just push, faith, just, just everything. And he's just so right. Like, and, the way Eric puts things and, you know, his recovery that I think so many people, especially, you know, recovering from injuries can just, just find so inspiring is just how, like, trusting he is in just himself and his, his, just his faith. Like, he's just so trusting. You can hear it in his voice. He's just like, it's all good. Like, like, you know, you, you work hard and just appreciate what you have. Cause someone, you know, someone doesn't have, you know, something that you have who, you know, they would die just to literally die just to be able to, you know, have what you have and just like look at the bigger picture. And yeah, Eric's he's been um he's been an angel. He really has. And he's just a savage. I, I love him. Yeah. And that, it's funny you, you mentioned that um, because in my interview with Eric, yeah. that was my biggest takeaway was that someone always has a yep. worse. And like, I think people kind of forget that when they're just sulking in their own uh-huh. misery. Espe- uh, for whatever yeah. reason. And especially I find him just so amazing is because he's one of very few other people, spinal cord injury, especially I know who literally 
was doing, you know, their job, doing what they love, just playing their sport. And then it just changed. Like, and that's what's amazing too, is just how he just so, how he just just changed his mindset in such powerful ways where, you know, I'm still working on like a lot of areas of my mindset that he's just so strong in. And I'm just like, I admire him. I really do. Yeah, me too. Um, so how do you, how, did, how was your, you know, based off of your experience uh, with getting injured from a, a head first slide, has that changed how you feel about head first slides in, in baseball and softball? You know, it's funny. I've, I have a lot of like strangers will ask me that question. And I always say, I'm like, no, like you just, you just play the game. You do what, what feels right. You do like what complements your athletic ability the most. Um, no, like, don't be hesitant. Just, just go for it. What happened to me was, you know, God's will. Like, God, God had a different plan for me. Um, you know, I would definitely give different advice if, if there was more than two people that I know, me and Corey Hahn at uh, University of Arizona, I believe, uh, a few years back, who have, you know, dove into a base and uh, resulted in paralyzation. Uh, you know, he's the only other guy I know that's happened to recently. Um, you know, if, if it were like a bigger problem, obviously I'd be like, well, we got to definitely reevaluate. Um, but no, I just, I think that, you know, athletes are becoming bigger, faster and stronger, especially female athletes. Uh, holy crap. Like female athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, you know, athletically smarter and more talented than we ever were. And uh, that can also be a factor in, you know, to head first sliding, if you, you know, say uh, at any age, young kids are bigger and stronger, too, you know, could just be a result in our physicality that's changed. I mean, dude, I can't tell you how many shortstops I've collided with in my softball career, like so many. And, right. you know, like that one just uh, that one just wasn't a good one. And and but I mean, I was also 145 pounds of like solid muscle and I ran into Allie Brady and uh who was the shortstop at Fordham I ran into her knee and she's a sturdy girl like she's tall she's so athletically built so I just remember the doctors being like the force that you two probably like created like holy crap like so that's another thing you know but head first slides I say do what's instinctual do what complements your athletic ability what makes you you as an athlete um but also be smart like no need to dive back into first base if the pitcher's not even trying to catch you stealing you know right be smart i like right. that you also reminded me when you said you're 145 pounds of solid muscle <laughs> um oh, yeah. this one instagram post i saw you had that really resonated with me uh which was you had a picture of yourself in your uniform oh, yeah. uh when you were at st joe's and then on the other side it was um, you wearing those same yeah. pants and the kind of the mental struggle that wow. that created. I remember having the same feeling when I got back from the hospital mm -hmm. and I was 30 pounds less than what oh. I was when I went into the hospital. Mm -hmm. I was like, who the hell is yeah. this guy? Who is it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's identity loss. It's, that's the only way I can describe that feeling is identity. It's like not only physically and, you know, you look different and you wear, you have to wear a different size. It's, it's like you don't, recognize like that person and like in your mind like it's just like what and like 
then you start to realize the physical changes in you know in your function and you're like and then you get stuck looking in the mirror and you're like wait a minute so yeah I mean yeah that doesn't yeah and that is smaller oh and yeah I am leaned over this way oh and like and then you just start picking yourself apart and I'm like dude then I just have to take a step back I'm like Bella like chill you're doing a good job <laughs> like stop like I just I become my own worst critic comparing to the, that you know what I know and it's yeah that picture really it did it for me too because I that's the best way I try to explain to people you know like I was saying to you uh, previously in in this was like you can't compare yourself you know to a person who you aren't anymore you know whether it's an injury whether it's just you're getting older whether it's you know you're you have a different lifestyle now like you know it's just you can't compare that because that'll drive you nuts. Yeah, for for sure, and I I still struggle with that, you know, to yeah, to this day. Right. Who doesn't? Um, but <laughs> I think, like you said, like with your your mindfulness, you kind of like notice when you're going down that path, oh, and yeah. you're aware enough to realize, like, yep. you know what, I, I can't control this. Yep. So, like, take a step back and yep, that's, change your thoughts. That's been a huge thing. I like that you understood that because. Um, definitely people don't realize that often actually almost 10 nine times out of 10 whenever we you know have a self-defeating thought it's usually because we like provoke ourselves and literally like encourage ourselves to continue on with just you know destroying like just a part of us and knowing we're doing it but it's a sense of domination it's a sense of control that we know we're doing it and it's like I've learned that that's such a powerful aspect of being a human being and it's like if we can learn how to tame that aspect of us we can use that such better reasons like that the energy and just destruction it that takes like the toll it takes on us and we do it to ourselves it's more than you could ever think it's literally like two doors unheld because like for someone else because of that like i truly mean that it's like cool to think about yeah, I like that. Um, so I know you were a big soft or a soccer player growing yeah. up as well. Um, so you know, how has that kind of yeah. helped you in your recovery? And did you suffer any other injuries throughout your athletic career? I did. I've suffered a few. High school, I had I had trouble with uh, like cramps in my legs, um, but that I bounced back from. I just couldn't keep playing soccer with them because like I was young and like. Um, that was the only sport I was playing and I was like I should probably like quit like like I'm the doctor who you know did my first surgery in my sophomore year of high school was like yeah I wouldn't like bank on this sport and that was kind of like sad because I wanted to be just like my big sister Maria who was just an absolute dud soccer player and like that's all we ever did so like changing my sport I was like oh like like it just wasn't my first love you know it really wasn't uh softball was like was like the <laughs> the friend I don't know the friend you had to like <laughs> because your parents like I don't know like you know like it was just like I don't know yeah. but I I ended up falling in love with it I really did but soccer just uh really taught me just to hustle dude hustle 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 it's even in like the game of softball soccer taught me that and softball is hustle to that base like yeah if you hit a pop flag don't jog there just like turn on the jets and go see if you can get to first base before she catches it like soccer taught me that like just like ignorant competitiveness like just like just go just go hard if the ball's you know about to 
go uh, out of bounds, you bet your ass you have to just like slide and try to save it with your toe. Like, you know, like that's just the game of soccer and very different from softball because softball, it's like literally like I felt like catching butterflies in outfield sometimes because <laughs> like <laughs> right. pitching can be so good in college where no one touches it or you can be in the outfield so busy because everyone's hacked, like just raking. But um, right. yeah, soccer definitely just taught me that just hustle, hustle, hustle mentality that, you know, it's weird because I don't can't really use now because I never really go for, you know, time or, you know, like whatever. But it just taught me to just stay focused on you know the task at hand like whatever I'm doing just stay focused on that and you know just a lot of envisioning too in soccer that I take that I carry with me to this day just envisioning stuff um cool yeah um so I'm curious about this uh cramping issue because I had a similar cramping issue in football where like in the first four or five games of the season when it was still hot out I would have like my full body cramps (laughs) like after halftime yeah yeah. I look back at it because they, they treat it as chronic compartment syndrome that, which me, I knew of a few other players too. And my sister who had, it, who got it done. But nowadays, dude, they don't even do the surgery anymore. The, like they barely do it because they've learned that it's either like a, like a, um, what's it called? Compression thing or, right. or it's like, you just have to have more potassium. <laughs> like, that's literally what they've learned. So, like, that's why I, like, look back at, like, that injury and I'm like, okay, like, if if doctors were more educated maybe and if I was more educated, like, I would have just probably not got the surgery and just would have switched sports, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's what happened there. But I never had full body cramps. It was just, you had full body cramps? Yeah, it was terrible. That's awful. I couldn't do anything. You're probably yeah. dehydrated, man. Yeah, I just sweat a lot. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I used to sweat like a oof. Yeah. But yeah. So let's talk about your dog Benny. Oh. Uh how is how has he helped you in your recovery? I'm currently petting his face. Um, he I can't even explain it. Basically, like we just don't leave each other's side. Like he knows me better than I think I know myself. It sounds stupid, but he literally knows like when I'm gonna be spasming if I have nerve pain and it's so cool like in the winter time to see him in like full action with this because I get a lot of nerve pain in the cold he freaks out like like he'll just like come on my bed and just like do like a bunch of circles and just like stare at me and like then he'll like move closer to me and like just keep staring at me and I'm like oh man like it's just like he just oh and he makes me go outside like there's been so many times talk about you know the level of learning how to push myself, you know, like we were talking about, he's taught me that like little spurts, like little spurts. It's awesome. Like he's the one who brings me my leg brace in my shoes every time. And he's like, all right, mom, let's go. And like, he like, I get it on and we go out and I just like play with him with the ball. Like I'll just, we literally play fetch for like an hour, but it's like a perfect amount of moving for me to do, you know, like, like that's like, it's weird how like I really, like reflect on me playing fetch with Benny in anything I like any exercising I'm doing I'm like am I gonna be like Benny fetching Thor tomorrow like like it's just like the perfect uh way yeah and he helps me walk he's learned to um with his collar I can hold on to it and we just stroll around the yard like 
you know, he like stabilizes me and makes my actual like my hip. I actually have to like engage fully, um, like to go with. It's almost like riding a horse, you know. Like, uh, it's cool. He's just he's been my best friend, and he really doesn't know me as like the girl who broke her neck. He's just like, hi, mom. <laughs> like, he's just yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up the interview here, I got a couple of quick questions for you. Sure. Um, what's your advice for athletes who suffer life-altering injuries? Like number one thing. Number one thing: listen to your body. Listen to your body. I don't care if you have to, like, take three days to just like tune out the whole world and just like spend time with yourself. Um, like especially life-altering injuries or, uh, you know like career changing injuries you just have to listen to yourself you can't listen to what's you know what surgery can help you maybe get you there or what like just first listen and realize that opportunities are infinite in that you know to be so hell-bent on making you know your athleticism and your your body your career like your number one priority if you really look at it guys it's selfish like you know, there comes a point, and I've even I've listened to a lot of um, interviews with professional athletes who say that, you know, a big part of their job, I've Doug Flutie, he's, uh, he became one of my good friends, and something he'd always say is, um, like, you don't spend enough time with your family. And, uh, you know, I, it's a selfish, you know, sport, it's a selfish job because it's your sport. You have to really take care of yourself, like, first. You have to, you know, and I just want more athletes to know, like, take a step back and like do yourself a favor think of yourself and um think of you know others and think of your future think of your life think of your future kids like uh you know that's what has to you know keep you motivated to continue life not how much longer you can stay a red shirt or not you know how much money you could get if you know you can learn how to play three sports or no like just take life as as it is and you know, just be mindful of, you know, when your sport and your athletic side of you can uh, be a little selfish, for sure. Be mindful of that. Yeah, and that's that's great advice. And it reminds me of my, my friend, uh, Charlie Brenneman, or a.k.a. the Spaniard. He mm -hmm. was an MMA fighter in the UFC, yeah. and he said the same thing. It's like, it's almost like a self, you have mm -hmm. to be selfish if you're going to succeed yep. in those kind of sports. So, yep. absolutely. Um, all right, so... What are you excited about today? What am I excited about today? Oh, I uh, I have books that I want to release, and I have, uh, you know, some companies I'm going to be working with for clothing line, and uh, I'm actually also looking forward to hopefully starting in a new therapy place uh, called Journey Forward, which is like a more like I I basically explain it to my parents as like it's basically therapy except like CrossFit atmosphere <laughs> like it's like uh okay yeah it's cool it's like not as many like old people next to you you know and like it's just like <laughs> it's it's a more of like an uplifting environment super excited about that um uh basically those two things that i just said to you were two things i talked about today with people so <laughs> uh okay. yeah cool. just excited to breathe on my own dude yeah less sterile environment i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking yeah. about with the yeah the rehab stuff exactly all right so if you had a three zero count, are you are you hacking or are you taking? Oh, dude, the only reason I'd hack is if I knew it would 
be out of the ballpark or in for a double, but I usually take unless I know it's my pitch. Like un like if I poof, and I got good at that because I never really swing on three and zero ever, poof, except this is right. my pitch. <laughs> yeah, if I got the okay, I was always hacking. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but I didn't really. No, not a lot of coaches well give the okay, well. but I've I've broke the rules a few times, and every time I've been right. I but I wouldn't right. I wouldn't swing for a single though because if I walk I'm gonna be on first I gotta see the ball and be like oh this is a double <laughs> you know what I mean like right gotta just see gapper it. yep all right so are you a, a seeds girl or a gum girl oh, seeds all day every day twenty four seven seeds what kind of flavor salt ranch. ranch I'm a ranch love ranch and I love salt I love right. sodium it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's America. I know, so. right? <laughs> Not alone. All right. So, what is your definition of toughness, and has that changed since your your injury? Um, I would have to say mental toughness. When I think of toughness now, um, I used to think tough was like being able to get like punched in the face and like still have enough dignity to like punch back two times harder. Um, yeah, that's tough. Um, but it's most likely foolish. <laughs> uh, I, I've learned toughness now just to be um, when you are disappointed with yourself or something, like a lack of a result or a lack of a, an achievement. Um, I've learned that it is toughness that like, helps you go above that. Like You're tough if you can look at a failure or a disappointment right in the eye and be like, yep, that that sucks, Bell, and you failed, but you know, you're tough. So you're gonna you're gonna find a way to do it. And like that's tough to me now. It's like that you can not even show an emotion, um, you know, on your face during a heart crushing moment. Like that's tough to me. Like I've held back tears that I don't even know how I have, like in therapy sessions. Just, and it could be just for like the dumbest reason, but like it just has to do with my injury and I'm just like Oh my god, that's just so done for the day and tough is just being able to like face it like within you, like and be like, Yep, that's what's happening and it's alright, you'll find a way to do it, don't feel sorry for yourself. That's tough. That was amazing. Really good definition. Yeah, I got really into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like <laughs> uh, Alright. Uh, last question. Where can people find you on social media? Social media. Instagram, uh, it's at Isabella Pickard. Uh, Twitter, at Isabella Pickard. Snapchat, at Bella Pickard. A little bit of a remix there. Um, is that a, oh, yeah, and Facebook, too. But I got to figure out how to make my Facebook like public so that people don't have to question because I feel bad. I, like, I'm really flat. You can make like a page, like yeah, a yeah. like a like page. Yeah, I, I should figure that out. Yeah, I can help you out if you need <laughs> but anyways, to. But anyways, yeah, those are those are the. Uh, those are all right, well, Bella, thank you very much for sharing your story on the podcast and giving us all your great insight uh, into overcoming uh, these kind of injuries. And um, honored to have you on the show. Oh, of course, thank you for having me. It was a blast. No problem.